Same story I just told you. And I saw all these teenagers nodding their heads. Yeah, you're talking to me, rejection. I go to a church two days later, gave an altar call. Half the church comes forward, literally, no exaggeration. I've been rejected. I never didn't know what it was. I go to a public school the next day. 1,700 kids are there. 800 on this side of the gym, 900 on this side. I'm in the middle of doing what I do in the public high school assembly. The Spirit of God says to me, tell the story about the girl you met in three days ago. I said, you've got to be kidding me. They'll kick me out of this school. He said, they've already kicked me out. Tell the story. So I told the story, right? And then I said, then he said this to me, he said, Dino, ask the question. I said, come on, come on. I said, if you're here today, you've got the courage to tell me that you've been rejected. You need somebody to come into your life and change that rejection and give you real hope. When I get to three, raise your hand. Before I got to two, hands are going up. By the time I got to three, 1,074 teenagers had raised their hand. And the Lord said to me, on the other side of rejection is acceptance. And we are accepted in the beloved. Before we get started today, I would be remiss if I did not thank our partners over at Proper Creative. Proper Creative is a production-on-demand company, and they monetize e-commerce platforms. They have a marketing powerhouse team from graphic designers, web development, photographers, videographers, market analysis, digital marketing strategists, and of course, social media experts. They help companies from development of content and products to the execution of digital strategies for e-commerce. They provide both full service and a la carte services for businesses that sell direct to the consumers. For me today, I am wearing a proper creative branded shirt. This is the Level Up Podcast shirt. You can get it. And uh, this is something that we send to all of our guests that come on our show. Our partners send them a gift package, and it's brought to you by Proper Creative. Thank you so much. You can follow them on social media, Instagram primarily, at P-R-O-P-R Creative. Again, they're an L.A.-based company, so they do things a little bit cooler than most. They spell proper, P-R-O-P-R Creative. Follow them on social media, Instagram, and give a shout-out. Thank you so much, again, to our brand partners, Proper Creative. Welcome to another week of Level Up. I am Matt Rogers, and with me, as always, is our co-producer, co-engineer, Eli Adelman. That's right. I got to say, too, Eli, the people have spoken, so we're starting to get in the rhythm of this thing. We're getting a ton of comments, a ton of feedback, and everyone's like, well, who's Eli? You mention him, but he doesn't really talk. The truth is, Eli doesn't that's, really that's, like to talk. <laughs> that's that's true. <laughs> but I think you have to, because if I'm introducing you at the beginning and you're in the room with me, people yeah. are like, well, what does Eli have to say about it? Well. The people have spoken. They want to hear we'll, your voice. we'll find out, you know? Yes. So. You're you're beautiful, and people want to hear from you. Just trying to keep up with you. <laughs> <laughs> this is a really good-looking podcast. For those of you joining us on Spotify, Apple iTunes, or Apple Podcast. You're missing it if you're not on YouTube because you could actually see us here. YouTube's the only platform where you can see us. I also want to thank our sponsors at Proper Creative. That's P-O-R-P-R Creative. They're an L.A.-based company, and they are a one-stop shop for all of your content needs. I'm sporting the shirts that they gave me. They create all of our apparel and all of the gift packages we send to all of our guests. That is brought to you by Proper Creative. Thank you guys so much. Again, that's Proper Creative, P-R-O-P-R Creative. You could follow them on Instagram, P-R-O-P-R Creative. Thank you so much. I'm going to get right into it today. As always, our guests is what I am most proud of on Level Up, Eli. And this is what I noticed, too. I was looking at a list of all the le- of the guests that we have and some of the ones that we have coming on, absolutely incredible. God has really, really blessed me with some cool friends and some cool avenues to get 
some phenomenal guests. But I was going to say, almost unanimously, I've watched these guests from the cheap seats my whole life before I met them and developed a relationship right. with them, which is cool. And it's, and it's, it should, I, I say that to encourage people out there, just because you're in the cheap seats today doesn't mean you won't be on the stage tomorrow because everybody started in the cheap seats. And I kind of feel like I might be like in the middle of the transition right yeah, that's now. That's good. Like, that's talk about tweetable moments. That's that is a, a tweetable That was moment, a good right? one, man. You should that put just that, came to me. You should Instagram that. That's God right there. You know? So this guy right here, I saw Dean Sykes in 2009 for the first time. So 12 years ago, I saw him in Orlando, Florida, and he came out and he talked about all of the phenomenal things he was doing to help teenagers. Uh, I don't even know how to word this right, but stop, you know, prevent them from committing suicide. He was helping. He's, he's the number one guy in the world that helps teenagers, uh, reconsider their decision of suicide he dives into depression and he's really you know the professional and the expert completely led by god on how to speak directly to your kids and to your teenagers because at the time 2009 i had two kids one was one year old one was three years old so i wasn't even really thinking about teenagers so i was kind of like, oh well that's cool for parents that have teenagers but he was so captivating and he hit so hard at home with me i'm like this guy's phenomenal. So I followed him at a distance throughout the years. And then, of course, our man Rex Crane made the face-to-face -face introduction with me about six months ago. And Dean and I have talked every single week since. He's I'm proud to call him my friend now. Dude. So watching him from the cheap seats, and now he's my friend right here on Level Up. Dean Sykes, how are you? Man, you just make me smile. You do. <laughs> I mean, I just I love hanging out with you and Listen, we, I love what you said. We all, at some point, start in the cheap seats. And it, you know what's, what's neat, Matt, is we never really arrive. It is a constant journey of dying to self, looking up, going, here I am, use me. I'll go wherever. And I love, because, you know, one of the neatest things about life is relationships. And I love getting to connect with people who have, you know, just a like precious faith. You know, we're on, the, we're on a journey. We're just going somewhere together. And uh, I told someone I'd met you and had the opportunity to have you on television with me. And I, and I, and I left that, that program that you and I did together. And I thought, this guy just loves people. I mean, golly, because I don't meet a whole lot of people who actually just love people. You love people. <laughs> that's, what, that's what draws me to you. And I, I had to walk over there to be with you today. You know what's cool? I mean, and this is true for, for you and everyone listening. It was about 11 years ago. Like, I've always been kind of like happy and stuff, but... A lot of people bothered me and a lot of people bugged me. And I thought, you know, a lot of times that if God would tweak them a little bit, then my life would be better. And I, I, I prayed a very simple prayer a long time ago. I said, Jesus, let me see people through your eyes in the way that you see them. And I promise you, I'm not trying to be too deep or anything, but from that day I prayed that prayer, I have almost never been upset or offended by anybody. And I love everyone. It's, it's kind of like he freed me from myself. So my only option is to love people. So I'm that so, so happy. That is so that. cool. I prayed a similar prayer in a different way. I said, God, empty me of me. Empty me of me. Because, you know, I'm a human and I, and I miss it. And, I, and 
but you're not. You, God, you 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 know you know every answer to every question I'll ever ask. You know where you want us to be. So don't ever let me have anything you don't give me. Don't ever don't ever let me go anywhere you don't send me. Don't put me in a relationship with anybody you don't put me in a relationship with. I mean, I just want this thing called life to matter. So you really pray about the type of people that God brings across your life and the relationships that you enter. You pray about that. I do, and I was astonished that I got to be with your friend. I mean, I'm like, my God, really. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. See, the, Eli, this is where you're supposed to chime in and you know make a joke about someone actually wanting to be my friend. Right. Well, sorry, I was doing producer stuff. <laughs> you are. You guys don't see Eli, but he's back there making everything you know sound and look fantastic. But I'm so glad. I mean that that we are friends now. You live in Chattanooga. I live in Spring Hill. It's about an hour and a half away from each other, give or take. Yep. And you like golf. And oh man, golf, golf's like going to be in heaven. I promise you. <laughs> But some of the things I say on the golf course won't be in heaven. Well, that's okay. That, that, that's why there's this thing called forgiveness. It's okay, and I'm here for you. I'm, I'm going to walk you right up to the throne. You are a good man. So let's go back. So I saw, yeah. like I said, I saw you in the cheap seats about 12 years ago. You were speeding at a, speaking at a huge event with like six or 7,000 people. How did you get into that? And where did your passion start? And where has it led you? Because I mean, now you run You Matter TV. Everyone can see you at youmatter.us. You had me on your show. I mean, you are the voice of hope to so many people. It's kind of like you were talking about hope before Joel Osteen was, baby. It's You know, you're the OG hope broker. Well, you know, what? what's interesting is what, what you overcome becomes your platform. Wow. You know, and I needed hope. And I had, you know, to kind of give you a backstory, I'd grown up in church. I was, I went to church every time the doors were open. You know, great Christian family. All my friends were Christians. At 15, though, man, I was, I, mean, I was sexually abused, and my world was, was shaking beyond measure. And uh, I didn't tell anybody for 22 years what happened to me, and I just kind of buried it. And one of the things that I learned through that process is that if, if you and I do not deal with our emotions our emotions will deal with us, right? And so at 17 years old, I failed PE in high school, even though I taught, taught tennis, played golf, and played quarterback. I mean, I was pretty athletic, but I wasn't going to change clothes in front of anybody. 21 years old, I said, God, if you're real, prove it. I don't think you're real at all. I feel stupid talking to the wind, but if I'm wrong, prove it. Two weeks later, I'm in my office. I don't try to over-spiritualize this. It happened. I literally heard the audible voice of God say, call mom, and I did. And in that moment, my mother was attempting suicide. Oh, my Lord. I bolted out of my office, drove up Interstate 75 to a little community called Ottawa, Tennessee. From the outside in, looking at their home, everything looked fine. It was safe, secure home. From the inside out, my mom was dying. Man, I see millions of people and what we get to do. And from the outside in, they appear to have it all together. From the inside out, they're falling apart. They need hope. That day, I got my mom to a hospital. God saved her life and proved to me that, yeah, he's real. And that began me on a journey. And by the time that you and I uh, were in the same arena, um, however many years ago that was, I had, uh, I had worked with a guy named Phil Driscoll. I was his road manager, traveled the world with him. And in, on January 1st, 1993, with about $100 in the bank and a little bit of faith and a real big vision, I took a step of faith and said, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. And I created something that became our ministry where I just began going and talking to high school students. And then I would go speak at these big marketing network marketing conventions. And I would talk to all those distributors and those networkers about what it is that we were doing in high schools. And we never charged anybody anything. So we said, if you'd like to help us come to your city, come to my table. And my God, here they all came. I mean, they, they came in mass. And so for the first decade of our ministry, I saw 100,000 kids a year, every year. So a million kids in 10 years. 
now we're, you know, we're almost three decades completed. Um, we're in our, we're in our 29th year now of doing this. And uh, wow. God's let us go into seven or eight countries. I've spoken with millions of teenagers um, and just, just seen him do what only he can do. You know, that's unbelievable. And this is for you parents. Cause I know you know, the, the, the bulk of my audience, uh, cause we do these analytics, the bulk of my audience are people between the ages of 25 and 45 and most of those people have teenagers. So if that's you, listen up because you are speaking to a man or you I'm sorry, you're listening to a man, Dean Sykes, who has been there and knows what your teenager is going through. He knows why they're not talking as much as they did two years ago. He knows why they're wearing different clothes, darker makeup. Maybe you're noticing some things about your kid. Listen up for the next 30 to 45 minutes because this is going to help you. With that said, Dean, you're coming to my son's youth group and speaking at my house to about 30 kids. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate that because the number one thing my son says is, Dad, you would be shocked at how many of my friends and acquaintances at school talk about suicide and at least consider, yeah, yeah I've thought about it. I, I've cut myself a couple times. And I mean, it, it's crazy how the enemy at least starts with an entertaining thought with these kids, what is going on with our youth? Why is this happening? Uh, and you, you, you nailed it. It's, everything starts with a thought. It grows up into an action. And, you know, what, what we think about goes down into our heart. And out of our heart, we speak. And what we speak, we then create. So in, in, to, in today's world right now, real time, on average, in the natural, 5,400 teenagers attempt suicide every day. Now, for your audience, that's a staggering. Let, let me give you a, let me give you a, a, a an analogy. In an arena that seats twelve thousand people, right? Mm-hmm. That arena would fill up every two and a half days with teenagers who, in the previous sixty hours, had bought the lie that their death was a better choice than their life. So, my question is: five thousand four hundred teenagers today. What is so bad in their life, in their mind, that they, what they bought the lie? that their death is a better choice than their life. And when you start digging down deep, you know, the Bible says without a vision, people perish, right? Yep. Okay, so what happens with a vision? Did you change the world? I think you could. I mean, I tell teenagers in schools every day that I'm on the road in a school, why does it have to be somebody out there beyond these four walls that changes and transforms society as we know it? Why can't it not be you? Maybe we're all waiting on you to do the one thing that you want to do, and you don't see anybody else doing it because we're all waiting on you to go do it. I mean, my God, I get real. I'm a little on the passionate side with this this stuff because I've seen it. Listen, just a couple of days ago, literally last Friday, when we're taping this, go back three or four days, last Friday, I'm in a smaller Christian school, right? 110 kids, Christian school. Let's make that real clear. I talk about forgiveness, rejection, and then I talk about suicide. In a school with 110 students in it, and I said, close your eyes, and if you've got the guts to raise your hand when I say three, if suicide is a real option in your life, raise your hand. One, two, three. 14 hands went up just like that. Yep. And I... I was just, I actually have a tough question for you because I went to a really powerful summer camp, a teen summer camp with my son a year and a half ago in the summer of 2019. It was phenomenal. When the speaker got a word from God and someone came up, a young kid came up and said, I'm cutting myself. And the speaker said, has anyone else in the room thought of cutting themselves or is cutting themselves? It literally made me cry because I was in a room 
with about 700 kids who looked like they were on fire for the Lord, and they may have been. Out of those 700 kids, 150 of them went on stage to admit they were cutting themselves. So my question is, how does that happen? Because us as parents, we're thinking like, I'm good. My kids are in youth group. My kids are in church. But I mean, we've seen Christian suicide, pastor suicide, suicide. It's an, we, we've never seen people killing themselves at such a rate. What is going on? And what's the difference between Christians and non-Christians? Because it, it seems equal that they're both taking their lives. Yeah, it's, you know, I ask teenagers all the time, are you a Christian? And their number one response I get is, well, I go to church. My response always is my car goes to church. You know, it's not about going to a building. It's about, do you have a relationship? Because if you have the living God on the inside of you, he will absolutely draw the line between death and life. And so parents, there's a, there's a verse in Proverbs that says, open communication permits progress. If you're not openly engaging with your teenager, you know, I did a parent conference not long ago, and they said, well, my teenager goes into his room and locks the door, won't let me in. I'm like, are you serious? For sure. I hear that all the time. I mean, this is your home. That child is your responsibility. And if we abdicate our responsibility and just go, well, you know, they're, somehow they're going to make it. No, they, they will not. There's a real enemy out there who has a mission statement that is in red letters, and that is to steal, kill, and destroy. But you and I have an opportunity to address what's going on in the lives of these young people because this, this – I'll give you a great example. I was speaking in a school, and I, again, I asked the question, is there someone in your life you need to forgive? Do you feel like you've been rejected? Is suicide an option? And those three questions are the driving force of our ministry in schools, whether they're public schools or Christian schools. And just so parents understand and your audience gets it, proportionately, we have the same statistics in Christian schools as we do in public schools. They're the same. The numbers are bigger in public schools, but proportionately, if you bring it down to a real, real mean average, we're seeing the same exact numbers, and in some instances, higher numbers in Christian schools than in public schools when it comes to cutting themselves, hurting themselves, attempting suicide. So this Christian school I was in, this young lady raised her hand to all three of my questions, forgiveness, rejection, suicide. I go down to sit down with her. The principal's there. We're talking. She's crying. I said, I noticed you raised your hand. She said, I did. She said, can I ask you a question? I said, sure, honey. She said, I'm 18 years old. I've been in 22 different foster homes. Why did no one want me? Dang. That makes me cry thinking about it. I, I, and I did. I said, and I went, here's my, here's immediately what I did. If you don't give me something to say right now, God, you and I both are going to look really bad. What did he give you? A question. Who do you live with now? And her tears went away to a smile. And she said, a family adopted me. I said, it does work. She said, they love me. I said, honey, I'm, I'm, listen, there's a plan <laughs> here. Awesome. She said, why? Why was I rejected by 22 families? We talked. I got her some help. I had to go on to a convention that night. I told the same story I just told you. And I saw all these teenagers nodding their heads. Yeah, you're talking to me. Rejection. I go to a church two days later. Gave an altar call. Half the church comes forward. Literally, no exaggeration. I've been rejected. I never didn't know what it was. I go to a public school the next day. 1,700 kids are there. 800 on this side of the gym, 900 on this side. I'm in the middle of doing what I do in a public high school assembly. The Spirit of God says to me, tell the story about the girl you met in Three days ago, I said, you've got to be kidding me. They'll kick me out of this school. He said, they've already kicked me out. Tell the story. <laughs> oh, so I told the story, right? And then I said, then he said this to me, he said, Dino, it's always Dino. Dino, ask the question. I said, come on, come on. 
I said, if you're here today, you've got the courage to tell me that you've been rejected. And you need somebody to come into your life and change that rejection and give you real hope. When I get to three, raise your hand. Before I got to two, hands are going up. By the time I got to three, 1,074 teenagers had raised their hand. Unbelievable. And the Lord said to me, this is big. On the other side of rejection is acceptance. And we are accepted in the beloved. So when you start thinking about that and you start thinking about young people today, I mean, I got the latest stats right here. One in five teenagers, one in five got girls have, have, have self-harm. 20%. That's scary. And well, well look, you, want, you want to see something? You see that? Can you see that? No. Uh, yeah. It looks like a matchbox or a lighter. Or something. Oh, it's, it's a lighter. I was speaking at a native American Indian reservation, high school, mm-hmm. got through speaking. A young man walked up to me and said, can I talk to you? Sure, man. Let's talk. We began to talk. He said, "Yeah, hey, I want to give this to you. I said, well, I said, what is it? I didn't know what it was. He said, well, it's a lighter. I said, man, I appreciate it, but I don't smoke. He said, I don't smoke either. I, I was perplexed. He goes, oh, th- this is what I used to, to burn myself. Oh, geez. He said, but you told me that my life matters. So I'm going to take what you said as truth and here, take this. And he walked off and I never saw him again. I mean, I've got a bag full of those things that teenagers have given me that they use to hurt themselves. Why? Hurting people hurt people. Right. Right. Pain seeks pleasure. Show me somebody who's strung out on drugs or alcohol. They're not a bad person. They've got pain that's yet to be resolved. And what happens when teenagers grow into maturity? They keep growing physically. They stop growing emotionally. And and they begin to just recreate patterns of, of just death. And so unhealthy attracts unhealthy. So these two unhealthy teenagers grow up, become unhealthy adults. They become together to become one. They create a family and a generational curse continues. Yep. I want to, I want to ask you this question. Cause I know that there are so many, I mean, thousands of people downloading this. I know that there are thousands of parents listening and they're either saying one of two things. Number one, well, I don't have to worry about that. That's not my kid. Number two, that's exactly my kid. What do I do? And number three, they're not sure if it's their kid, but they're getting a little scared and they don't know what they do. One of one of those three listeners is listening right now. And when you think about 20% of the people listening right now have a daughter or a son that's hurting themselves, what can parents do? How do you open the conversation? Because I say like coaching my kids in sports, they don't really respond to me great. But if I get them a coach, they'll do whatever the coach says. And I mean, that's me and my kids. It's just the way it is. So people might listen to you or open up to you more because you're not their parents. How can a parent that says, Johnny closes the door, locks the door, I can't get in. What do you say to them? How do we help them? Yeah, one of the neatest things you could, I'm a big believer in prayer, first of all. Again, I'm not trying to over-spiritualize this, but this is what I do. And and I think if parents can just be honest, you know, call your own fouls. When I when I've had the most results with our own kids, you know, Lori and I have three, and they're all they're they're adults now. But growing up, the greatest success I had as a parent was when I would sit down and go, you know what, I really I, I missed it here. I, I didn't I didn't pay attention to what you were saying to me, or my phone was ringing, or whatever. I, quality time can never be replaced by anything that you can buy your kids ever. Time is what they're looking for. And so as teenagers can begin to see that you're approachable, that you're real, that you're relatable, that you do call your own fouls. I mean, in your life, Matt, I mean, you're a very high profile person and you've got kids, but you know what? I, I, they would care. They don't really care about all the stuff that you get to do. They just care that you love them. 
and love never fails. And so as a parent, if you can get into get into that conversation, into that space with your young person and simply say, I know something's going on. And I tell parents this, if all you hear is everything is great, you better start digging. If nothing's ever wrong on the radar screen, you better start digging. Well, you're you're scaring me. No, I deal with this. I go I go to the, the wealthiest schools in America. I've gone to the poorest schools. I've gone to schools where kids drive Porsches and, you know, serious cars. And I've gone to schools where right down the street, they ate red dirt for breakfast, literally. And everywhere I go, the anointing comes and young people's lives, they, they open their hearts up and they go, man, my family, my, we're just not connected. We're just, we're not close. And I, I, my, we experienced that in our own family. And, you know, you can go out and win the whole world and bounce around the planet and have millions of people do it. But if you can't come home and get it right there, Lori, my wife told me a long time ago, she said, I don't care how many millions you talk to. If you can't be the husband and father, you need to be to us. You don't, you're not qualified to go out. I remember that this was a come to Jesus moment for me. It was 2011. It was the height of my career after American Idol. I had shows on discovery channel. I was coaching football, this stuff. We had two young kids. 2011, I was, you know, in my late 20s, early 30s, and Terry sat me down. We had a great marriage from the outside, and Terry sat me down, and she said, if you don't give me more of you, you're, I see you all over the world traveling, filming TV shows, making all these people smile. Everybody loves you, Matt, and when you come home, I get the leftovers. She goes, if you don't give me more of you, this is never going to work, and that was a huge wake-up call for me. And for, for my marriage, that changed in 2011 to where now, you know, everyone says family first. Like, I really walk out and intentionally plan family first. We plan family vacations at least once a month. We have date night at least once a week um, because we're intentional about it. We don't just stumble on into it and think, well, well, if my schedule opens up, then I'll make a date night. No, no, no. We make the date night and schedule our schedule around our relationship. Have you had to do that with your family, your wife yeah, yeah, and things over yeah, the years? It, it, there have been so many times, you know, the greatest times I had with my son was downstairs in our basement playing ping pong without my cell phone. Then watching him on a soccer field with uh, my oldest daughter, it was taking her to horses and watching her ride, you know, with my youngest daughter, I was watching her cheer, watching her in gymnastics, watching her do all these exciting things that she does. My greatest time with Lori is when I leave my phone home and it's just, our theory is if they need us that badly, they've got your cell number, Lori. They can call us on that number. And so, you know, it's it it just it, this thing before God created a ministry, a business, or anything, He created a family. It's critically important to realize that. So, for parents who think, "Well, my kid's in trouble," you know, I'm a big believer in Christian-based counseling. You know, I, I, be, I believe that counseling can really be helpful to people because there are professional people who are gifted and anointed to, to help get to the root of the matter. Let me put a pin right there and ask you this question, because I know I have, a, I have a lot of non-Christians that listen to this, and I want to ask this question for them. I'm asking this for them to you. Dean, why does Christian counseling matter so much? Because you just gave me a stat that as many Christians are committing suicide as as many non-believers. Why should I go to a Christian counselor? There's so many non-Christian counselors out there that help too. Why are you Christian-based? For a Christian counselor, they are going to come at it from the standpoint of two, two facets, typically. They're, very, they're trained, they're educated, and that's very important. They have, they have a, a, a very deep understanding of psychology, sociology. They also have the, the added benefit of the Word of God as the truest source of truth from my perspective. Mm -hmm. 
Does that mean that a non-Christian counselor is not effective? Absolutely not. There are plenty of counselors out there that can be very effective in what he or she does. If I, if I had to have brain surgery yesterday, you know, whether or not that, that's a Christian doctor or just a brilliant doctor, I would prefer it to be a Christian. But if, but if the non-Christian doctor is, is, a, is more effective in what he does, then I'm going to use my faith to go, this doctor is going to be anointed by you, Father, and I'm going to trust you to work through him, whether he knows you or not, but he's working on me. So I always throw the caveat out there that counseling is counseling as long as it's got, as long as the person you go to is truly gifted and anointed to pursue what's going on inside, because in teenagers, as in adults, internal reality becomes an external reality. Right. Right. Yep. That's a good word. And I mean, I, I do want to say this too, to kind of answer my own question. It's like, I've been around Hollywood. I've been around business. I've been, you know, a lot of different places and platforms. And, and what I've noticed is you can follow the principles of Jesus that can give you prosperity. And that's true because, you know, if you talk about prosperity or money or monetary stuff, like the porn industry has more money, if not the same amount of money as the church, but they follow those principles of Jesus that lead to prosperity, but they don't have any peace because it's the person of Jesus that gives you peace. And the flip side of that is I have Christian family members that have peace in God and their savior, but they're so broken. They don't get off a couch. It's kind of like they're praying for God to show up. And it's like, dude, God didn't give Noah an ark. He told him to get off his butt and go build an ark. And that's, you know, there's two flip sides. So I, I believe Christian based counseling Christians can give you both the person and the principles for you, Dean, that I've noticed. I mean, I've heard of hundreds and thousands of Christian preachers. You're different you carry something in the spiritual realm that most people don't carry. And you said several times throughout this, God said to me, God called me Dino. God said this. What does that mean? How does God talk to you? What's the difference between you and every other person out there that calls himself a Christian minister? I have no plan B. What do you mean? There's no exit strategy. Either, this, either he's real and he's going to show up or, man, I've been really duped, but I know he's real because I, you, you, you can't, you cannot unexperience God once you've experienced God. Right. Right. And so when I was standing in that long corridor of Park Ridge Hospital in Chattanooga, Tennessee, when my mother attempted suicide and he came to me and it was like warm oil hit the top of my head and went to the soles of my feet six years after I'd been sexually abused. And he said to me, I've called you. I said, okay. He said, I want you to speak. I said, no, sir. Uh-uh. I don't want, I'm not a speaker, God. I'm always behind the scenes. I'm someone's right-hand person. I said, God, I'll mess up. He said, it'll be funny. <laughs> so he's got a sense of humor with you. Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding me? Look in the mirror. Of course he's got a sense of humor. <laughs> you are the best. Let me. I want to do a little bit deeper dive, too, about your mom committing suicide and you being sexually abused just because you're obviously open and talking about it. Sure. And... In the 70s, 80s, and 90s, we did not talk about sexual abuse. Women who were raped didn't say anything. Kids who were molested as children didn't say anything. They were afraid. And it was right around the 2000s people started you know, coming out and talking. Um, and now it's alarming and sadly shocking how many people that I personally know that have been sexually abused. What happened? Were you young? Was it a kid? And how do you go from that to where you are now? Because I know that there's a lot of people who are sexually abused that think, well, I could never believe the way he believes, or I could never have the platform that he has. 
How did that happen? And how did you get to where you're at? Well, it's the, it was a Wednesday. I, I was, I was 15 years old. I, I would, I left my Christian school picked up by a friend of mine in a fast sports car, went, went, went to this friend's home, um, large home, uh, was invited into a bedroom to show me some new technological gadget that this friend had been given. And man, I, I was so naive. I didn't know what was even happening. 60 seconds changed my life. And when it was over, this friend looked at me and said, do you want to go play ping pong? And I was like, sure. Wow. Actually, I nodded because I was silenced. And what happened, you know, from that, that afternoon, I went to church. I had dinner at church. I, I was I was I was so shut down emotionally because I never saw what happened to me coming. And as a result, shame came in. And so this is the this is the plan of the enemy. So what what does he do? He he shamed me. You should have known better. You could have stopped that. You better not tell anybody. You'll get in trouble. And so all of that guilt, shame condemnation, which never comes from God, conviction comes from God, just took up residence in my heart. And as it did, I began to not like me. And here was my thinking. If I didn't like me, there's no way you could like me. So I've got to create this image that you will then like. And so my drug of choice from that day forward for many, many years was lying. I never drank. I never did drugs, but who cares? I lied. There's no big sin, little sin. There, there's, you know, sin is sin. I lied. I lied so much. You, you had to catch me telling the truth I lied so much. Why? I was creating this image, this thing that I, that I was trying to get people just to like me. I dated older girls. I mean, I was in the middle of the summer, I'd have on a suit. I was, I was in politics. I was Tennessee's youngest political consultant. I mean, I, I had all this coverage in media and I, I was the combination of arrogance and stupidity and my life was falling apart on the inside. Nobody knew it. And then Matt, one day, I, uh, 22 years later, married, had two kids at that point. I walked into a Home Depot, walked down an aisle, turned right and walked right into the person who 22 years earlier had abused me and my oh life my unraveled. God, what happened? I was on Christian television, reaching a quarter of a billion with a B people at night. And I could not get off my own couch. I grabbed my kids by the hand and I, and I said, we've got to go. And I turned, I never even, never even said a word. I just left. I remember driving home. I was, I was falling apart. And for those who are listening and watching right now, you, you might be able to understand this. Maybe you're experiencing this. I was falling apart on the inside. It was, it was a dam that was bursting. Somehow I got through dinner. I said to Lori, I said, I need to talk to you. And for the first time in my life, 22 years of keeping a secret, I invited Lori into the most private pain I had ever experienced. And I said, 22 years ago, I was sexually abused. And today I ran into the person who did it. And I don't know what to do. She took two steps back, her eyes filled with tears. I'll never forget it. She said, sweetheart, everything makes sense. Everything now makes sense. We've got to get you some help. And from that day, I went in, started going to a counselor. And I wasn't happy about it. Because pride, pride stops you from pursuing God. And for me, the journey of getting well was going and sitting with counselors and listening and them listening to me and me emptying out. And then I'd walk out of a counselor's office and I'd be emotionally spent. There'd be nothing left because I, you know, it was just a journey. I was having to relive all this. Couple that with 
my mom attempting suicide and, and the relationship that she and I had. And it was, it was, it was a tough relationship. I loved her. She loved me, but there was, there had been some, some real challenging seasons, all of our, our life together. And while that was painful and while that was challenging, the great news is God can take what the enemy meant for your harm and turn it into something so wonderful. And, uh, I began, like I said, in, in, on January 1st, 1993, to take my story, because the Lord spoke to me and said, you're a messenger. Messengers do two things. They receive messages, they deliver messages. For the rest of your life, you'll do three things. Hear my voice, deliver my messages, and share your testimony. But that's all I do. I listen, I speak, and I tell my story. That's all I do. What's the difference between conviction and condemnation? As you said, convictions from the Lord, condemnations from the enemy. Condemnation's root word is, is to condemn. God never condemns a person. God will convict a person of sin or something that we're, we're not doing correctly, but he'll never go, you're a bad person. I just want to condemn you. you, you you're useless. It's not who he is. He'll say, hey, Dina, you missed it right there. I'm going to convict you a little bit so you know you're off, you're off base. It's kind of like this, Matt. If you played baseball, you hit the ball left of third base. There's an umpire there. He's that ball goes left to third, he's going to scream, foul ball, and everything stops. Well, in walking with God, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is the umpire. When we miss it, the peace of God will lift. Now, he won't ever leave you or forsake you, but his peace will lift. That's conviction. Like, ooh, something's not right. And when I get that in my heart, I hit the brakes. I'm like, okay, I'm, it's not God, where, where did you miss it? It's God, where am I missing it? So I got to ask you this out of curiosity. After you... You know, you're obviously, you dealt with that challenge after seeing that person and you were free. Does that person know what they did to you? Did you ever confront them again after that? Did you ever see them? What happened? That's a great question, Matt. No, what I, when this is what I tell teenagers because they ask me all the time. They go, because this is one of the things that I, that I had to learn when the Lord, the Lord really did say to me, he said, will you forgive the person who did this to you? Nope. Not fair. His immediate response was the cross fair. Well, why'd you have to go there? <laughs> right. <laughs> right? I mean, come on. And this is what I heard. If you will forgive, I will send you around the world with this story. But if you don't, I still love you, but I can't use you much beyond. And here's and this is what I've learned. This is what I've been able to communicate because I've lived it out. When we forgive, and for the people who are, oh, I, I listen, for those who are hanging on to every word, hang on to this one. When we forgive, we get free. Amen. We get free. And that's why I'm able to tell the story with such conviction and with, there's no shame anymore. There's no, there's no condemnation. There's, and I, and people ask me, well, did you forgive the person? Did you go to the person? No, I was never led to do that. I went to God and said, Father, you know what happened. And I just choose to forgive. And I'm asking you to set me free from all that that brought in, into my life. And he did. And now as our friend Gregory Pope says, I am just bucket kicking happy all the time. I can't wait to have Gregory Pope on here. For those of you listeners, he will be on this podcast at some point. Gregory Pope is one of the most spirit-filled, just good, good people that loves people. He's, but he speaks a different language. He really does speak a different language. You wait till he comes on here. Let me ask you this a little bit deeper question for people who are listening. I don't even know if you know the answer to this, but I feel led to ask. You didn't have to live with that person. You didn't have to see that person. You chose to forgive in your heart, and it definitely set you free, but you didn't have to constantly see and face it. What can the wife do that's in an abusive relationship? What can the child do that has to see the uncle at every Christmas party? 
or the cousin or whatever it is, how do they forgive and get past it when it's constantly in their face? Well, for, for, for young people and teenagers who are underage, it's the responsibility of the parents really to protect their kids, right? And oftentimes I've, I've met with teenagers who've said to me, well, no one knows what happened to me. Just like you, I haven't told anybody. And my thing is, if I could do anything differently going back all those decades, I would have told someone knowing now, if I had known then what I know now, I would immediately said, this happened to me. I had nothing to do with it. And I don't want it to happen to anybody else. So what, what do I need to do? And my parents would have immediately gotten me, they would have gotten me counseling. So, you know, God doesn't expect people to stay in proximity to people who are hurting them. That, that's, that's not faith, that, that, that's, that's fear-based. And so I'm just saying that anybody is redeemable. Anybody can, be, can forgive. Anybody can choose to change. I mean, Matt, you and I kid a lot, but at the end of the day, I know this to be the truth. If God will use me in everything I've done wrong, willfully and or unwillfully, he'll use anybody who will come to him and just say, I've bought it. He already knows. I just, I've messed up. And I, for those who are hurting right now, I mean, my heart goes out to you because I know what pain feels like. But I know that if I've, if I've learned anything in my life, it's, it's what I said earlier on open communication from its progress. Go sit down with somebody that you trust. Maybe there's a pastor in your life that you trust, a youth pastor for the teenager that, that you can trust, a teacher in your school. I mean, teachers are some of the most unsung heroes, I think, on the planet because. Just the other day in the school I was in, the principal said to me, I'm sorry I can't walk you out. I, I need to stay with my kids. I said, I can find my way out. I found my way in. You stay right here. They need you. And, it, I mean, it's such what you're saying resonates with me so much. And I know that for parents to to wake up and deal with a situation, I know me personally, if, if I know my finances are running low, I'm afraid to look at the bank account to see what it looks like. I just keep doing my thing. If... If my shoulder hurts or my back hurts, I'm afraid to go to the doctor. I'm afraid to get blood work because I don't really want the results. And for parents who know something is wrong, don't keep looking the other way and sweeping under the carpet and just hoping that it goes away. Don't don't just pray it away. Confront. Talk to your kids. Um, even if you think everything is fine. I mean, you... That's probably one of the number one things that you hear, Dean, right? Communication with, oh, yeah. I mean, they it's, just want to be heard and believed, right? That, that is the number one thing that we encounter in high schools. And that is, it's not that they, it's not that they want to talk teenagers. It's they want to be heard. Uh, I'll tell you a quick story, if, if I may. Yes, please. I was, I was in a, I was in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex area, and I was doing a Christian convention. A couple thousand kids were there, and got through speaking, and a young lady waited. She was at our product table. I've written some books. We've got some T-shirts. She was back there looking at her stuff, and I noticed that she just kind of stayed at the end of the table by herself until everybody left. So the next, whatever was happening next happened. This young lady stayed around, and so I I happened to still be there. So I walked up to her. I said, hey, how are you? She says, I'm fine. I said, what's your name? She said, Megan. I said, I'm Megan. Really? I said, my youngest daughter's name's Megan. We call her Maggie. She says, that's nice. You can call me Megan. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Megan, it is precious. Okay. I said, how old are you? She says, 14. I said, cool. I said, what did you think about t- what, uh, tonight? She said, I really like what you said. She said, can I, can I talk to you for a minute? I said, sure. So what was she really saying? Parenthetically, will you listen to me? Sure. 
she began to tell me some of her story. And then she says, can, hey, can I, can I show you something on my arm? Bizarre. She pulled her sleeve up and she showed me where she'd been slicing and dicing. Oh. 14. I said, Megan, why? She began to talk some more. And then she said this, can I give you something? So we go from, hi, I'm Megan. Can I tell you my story? Can I show you my arm? Now she's saying, can I give you something? Because she trusts. Because what happens when you engage with a young person and they sense that you're being real, you have no agenda, and they, they trust, guess what happens? Their guard comes down, their heart opens up, and God shows in. So she says, can I give you something? I said, sure. And she hands me a, and I have it in a bag over here. She, she hands me a blood-stained razor blade. She said, this is what I used to cut myself, but tonight I heard you tell me that I matter and that God loves me. I'm going to trust what you said. She handed it and she walked off. I mean, this happens all the time. It does. And what, what is it with the cutting? Because, I, I mean, five years oh, ago. I tell you right now. I tell you right now. Tell me. Number one answer. Same answer I get from every teenager asked the question when they've cut themselves. Ready? Yeah. I hurt myself, watch this, to stop the pain. Well, every every single teenager I've asked that question to, without without one exception, it's said the same sentence. I hurt myself to stop the pain. It's because that's what the enemy does. It's he comes in and sells them a lie, and so they cut. The endorphins are released, and it stops pain just for a second, and then it becomes addictive. It like, stops the just mental, get that high. It stops the mental pain. Yeah. Anyway, it's, look, I, you know, Mallory in my office, right? She yeah. sends me this information. Um. In the last little bit, 35.6% of teenagers in this survey had used marijuana, 14% had used illicit drugs, 55% used alcohol in the last year, 12% illicitly used a prescription. I mean, I, I, I got lots to, I can refer to from serious, serious um, people. What's your, a lot of research. what's your take on marijuana? Because me growing up, I always heard that marijuana is the gateway drug to everything else. And then I know personally for me, I never got into drugs. Thank God my wife did. I'm trying to get her on the podcast to tell her story. It's amazing. But for both of us, we started with marijuana. Marijuana is the gateway drug. Um, but now it's so normalized and legalized and it's, you know, it's normal now. Like it's almost like, oh, well, marijuana helps me with this. Marijuana helps me sleep. It helps me with my anxiety. What's your take on now marijuana being just like a cold beer or a cigarette when it 20 years ago was the gateway drug to everything evil? Yeah, I, I have stayed away from the conversation just because I don't I, people know that where I stand. My thing is this with young people, you know, I minister a lot in teen challenge centers with people, men and women who at most of whom in the teenage years began experiencing something that became an addiction that became a life altering decision, which caused them to lose a lot. And in talking with so many of these individuals who are great people who have wonderful hearts, they've just made some bad choices, just like me. Well, they've said to me, when you tell, when you talk with teenagers, Dean, remind them that no one starts out saying I'm going to become an alcoholic. No one starts out saying I'm going to be a drug addict and, and strung out on drugs. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine, meaning it's a little thing that you think that won't really matter. That's the one thing that eventually will take you down. And so for the for the teenager who's drinking right now, a beer, right? Oh, it's just a beer, it's just a beer. Right. Well, eventually that beer doesn't give them the same hit that it now takes three beers or it now takes a 12 pack or it now takes something stronger. And so it's like the, this is the analogy I give people and, and it's, it's the old thing of frog legs. Throw a frog in boiling water, he's jumping out. Throw a frog in water that feels good, 
he's going to hang out. Just turn the heat up ever so often. And as that heat continues to go up before long, if you like them and I don't, but if you did, you'd have frog legs. Wow. It's true, man. I gave a sermon to this youth group. Uh, I took it off of a play from Stephen Furtick's playbook. It was called Chains. And I talked about, and it was an acronym, Chain C-H-A-I-N. And C was a choice. The enemy comes at you with a choice. The choice becomes H, a habit. Habit becomes an A, an attitude. Then I, identity. And then it becomes N, your nature. So it starts with a choice, ends up being your nature. Because like you said, with the boiling water, if the enemy came at you with this big chain, you would be scared and run away, but he doesn't do that. He comes at you with a choice, with a little choice. Oh, cutting yourself a little bit will take the pain away. And then, of course, you know the end result, which would be suicide. Uh, you've been dealing with it for a long time. How many do you have the stat of how many lives that you have potentially saved through your You Matter ministry and TV and your books? Um and what's the vision for the future? Is are you at an all time high right now? Because suicide's at an all time high. Like where are you at? Yeah, we. You know, God, God's very faithful. He's let me reach a lot of people. We've had two hundred eighty seven thousand young people give their hearts to the Lord through what we do. We've had right at ninety thousand kids sign a pledge, our You Matter pledge, saying I choose to live and not end my life for three reasons. I was created as an original for purpose and for relationship. We feel like Matt, we're just really getting started. We, my new book just came out. It's called Accepted. It's my life story of coming through emotional abandonment, sexual abuse. Uh, my mom, uh, my mom went to heaven in March of 2020. So we are, you know, we're, we're adjusting to life without her here, but I know where she is. She's not lost. She's in heaven. Amen. Uh, so for us, we, we have a real big vision. Um, our television broadcast is part of that. Our social media outreach is, is very much growing. God's given me a great team of young people who know so much more than I do about all of this. And I'm having to learn how to follow their lead. I can tell you this, for me, you gave me this daily reminder. This is kind of like a daily devotional. I'm holding it up to the camera. For those of you who are listening and can't see it, it's called Hope 365, a daily reminder from the word of God that you matter by Dean Sykes. And I would highly recommend you give this to your kid. Every single day has a title at the top with a very easy read. I know you did this on purpose, Dean. It's very, very easy. Three to five paragraphs top for your kid and then a verse at the bottom. I want to read one for you parents just to give you a little taste of what is in this book. This is on May 5th. It's called Diffusing Anger. So imagine your kid reading this and how easy it is. Let's say for the sake of example that you find yourself in a heated argument with somebody at school. This argument can either escalate or it can be dissolved. How you respond to what's going on will ultimately determine in large uh, what part and how it will play out. How is that possible? Well, according to the Bible, how you and I answer a situation and whether or not our words are kind or harsh become a deciding factor in diffusing angry encounters. Soft kinds words, uh, soft kind words are the language of love. Next time you find yourself slipping down a slippery slope towards an escalating argument, remember that you get to decide how it ends up for you. Choose wisely. And then it says, today's word is Proverbs 15.1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh answer stirs up anger. And I, the thing I love about it is you always put the control back in the person's hand. You never just leave it up to this mysterious God. You cause these teenagers to think and react. Uh, 
tell me about this book and how many people it has helped. Cause I know it's already helping me and my kids. Oh man. It, you know, th- thanks for mentioning that. It's, it's a, that book is, it was a labor of love. I wrote 365 devotionals in 112 days while on the road. It was been the busiest <laughs> season awesome. of our life to that point. I mean, the, the running question among my family was dad, what number are you on? And when I, when I finished the first 100, I was like, do I know one more verse that I can, and, and it was the coolest thing. I'd, I'd be flying somewhere and God began, he would just give me a scripture. I'd write the scripture down or I'd be at home and I'd wake up in the middle of the night. He'd give me some, a, a topic then give me a, and I, if you happen to enjoy how we communicate, just talking, that's how I write. It's just, there's no scripting to it. It's just from my heart. Um, that book has been used to help literally thousands and thousands of teenagers. Um, what I tell them is the more you get into that devotional book, the more you'll get into the book. That's where the real answers are. And so it's, it's a very non-religious approach. It's uh, you can get it at deansykes.net. Um, it's there available. And so you can want a hard copy. We can do that PDF. But it's, it's just a, it's a great tool that we have that, that the Lord gave us to help a lot of kids. I love it. And again, you can get it at deansykes.net. That's D E A N S I K E S.net. You could also follow him, which I would recommend is go to you matter.us Y O U M A T T E R.us. And they can also follow you on Instagram. I do follow you on Instagram. You matter. You are the man. Go ahead. What were you going to say? I was going to say, I just you and I had lunch one day at that restaurant up on the uh, top of Mont Eagle Mountain. Jim Oliver's Steakhouse. Remember that? Oh, how could I forget? It had the best homemade shepherd's pie and soup west of the Missouri River. And we could have had frog legs, too, if we wanted to. You're That's so actually stupid. east of the Missouri River so right now. We had breakfast, you idiot. It was a good breakfast. <laughs> Eli speaks for the first time. Well, you guys are saying so many good things, you know. <laughs> you like that? Oh, well, we, should, we should go. We should go back there sometime soon. Well, I'm down for whenever, and you're coming to my house in two weeks, and the, I, I'm so pumped for you to talk to these kids. Um, let me ask you this: one last level up quote, words of hope that you can give to parents who might be struggling with depression or think that their kids are struggling with depression or maybe suicide, what can they do? Do you actually talk to the people that reach out to you? What would you say to those people listening, like your final yeah, thoughts? Yeah, listen, I, if, if hopefully by now you know that I'm a Christian, uh, but I'm not a religious Christian. Uh, religion is man's way to try to get to God. Jesus is God's way to get to man. I'm a big believer in prayer. I'm a big believer in opening up the Bible. I'm a big believer in counseling. I'm a big believer in sitting down at a table. We, we played a game with our kids growing up, and it was high-low. What was your high? What was your low? Tell us what, what was great about today, what was tough about today. Let's just keep those lines of communication open. This is, where I, this is how I always close, Matt, our TV program. It's how I, I, I just, this is, this is the mantra by which I live my life. And it is simply this, where there is life, there is hope. Your life matters. Amen to that. Uh, I've never done this on the podcast before, and I felt led to do it right now, and I want to do it. Would you pray? And sure, would you man. pray for the people listening? Pray for me. Pray for this podcast. And wherever you feel led, because uh, I do respect the heck out of you. I know that there's an anointing on your life, and I'm so blessed that God took me from the cheap seats to calling you my friend. And I really, really honor that, and I know what you carry. So will you please pray over this podcast? And uh, No, not just podcast. I'll, I'll pray for the people listening to yeah, the podcast. And, and, and you know I love you, and I'm a big fan of yours. And I told you, in fact, I called you right before we went on, and I said, I made a real big mistake today, and that was I... I watched something that you did on coming home and, and 
your how you brought all those military people home to their. I mean, I cried sitting in my office and like, okay, Jesus, I got to pull it together because we're getting ready to do this. But I'm a big fan, you and your family, and I'm I can hardly wait to get over there and be with those kids. But yeah, let's pray. But here's here's what I want you to do: don't close your eyes and don't bow your head for the love of God. Why do you say that? Because that's that's what everybody says you got to do. That's not God's God's right here with me right now. If I right. listen, if I go, hey God, what's happening? No, I am what's happening. <laughs> but also I go, God, wherefore does thou want us me to go? And so go over there. Say, Why are you talking so strange today? <laughs> I love that. So let's just so don't close your eyes and don't bow your head. Let's just Jesus. I just want to thank you for Matt, for Eli, for the for the podcast. But anoint bring more people to them. Bring some more sponsors to them. Bring people to this life giving tool that you have caused, that you've given birth to, God. Lord, every person who's listening or watching today, let them have an encounter with a real Jesus. Let them know that you are real, that you love them, that you're not, listen, listen, God's not mad at you. He's not having a tough day. He's got a great plan for you. Father, for those who aren't yet saved and want to get saved, it's a simple process. I always do it this way. Jesus, I believe that you're alive. I believe that you actually were on this earth. You died for me. You went to hell so I wouldn't have to. Come live in my heart. Let's just hang out together. You're mine. I'm yours. Let's just go to life. So, Jesus, Show up real in people's life today. Let them know that you love them. Let them know like you've shown me that you are so cool and you are so real. Amen. That was cool. I stared at him the whole time he was praying. I never closed my eyes. Well, I told you not to close your eyes. You're a gorgeous prayer, Dean. Listen, looking good is never been a problem. <laughs> you are the man. Thank you so much for coming on Level Up. You are my friend, and I appreciate you so much, man. Thank you. Well, thank you for the opportunity. It's great to see you guys, and I'll, I'll see you soon, man. You're a good man. And for all of you listeners, if you like today's episode, please like it. Please subscribe to the podcast. Share it. That's how this thing grows. That's how sponsorship grows. And you can see in just a little bit of a time, we are already growing. Sponsorships are opening up. And we just had the man of God pray over that with his eyes open. That means heaven is open and it's only going to get bigger. And you had a fingerprint on helping us grow. So thank you so much. If you are going to rate it, please give us a five-star rating. We just got our first four-star rating. And Eli was like baffled. He goes, "What kind of a jerk would give us a four star?" I feel like go, go five or one. Like, what's this middle of the ground stuff? You know, maybe we're just almost great. Maybe I guess so. We're almost great. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm, I don't encourage anything less than a five star. But you know, as as we're growing, yeah. we're gonna get all different walks. No, that's fine. I love it. Please just rate it. Whether you like us, love us, or hate us, give us a rating. That's how the algorithm goes, uh, grows, and we appreciate you so much. Thank you, Dean, again, and thank you for listening to another week of Level Up.